Well, if we have not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale. Uh, so pleased to share good news with you today. Uh, God's Word speaking to us uh, this morning. We're talking about the five things we think uh, make uh, people miserable, the five things that destroy people's lives, the five things that, mess pe- that people do to mess up their lives. Uh, that's really the message series this week uh, and, and, and uh, the last two weeks, the next, one, the next two weeks. It's a five-week series. Uh, we've talked about a couple things already. Uh, one is that people think somehow that they can be, find happiness by making other people happy or they need to ha- other people to make them happy for them to be happy, you know, instead of knowing that God's the one that makes us all happy. Last week we talked about this. I'm going to simply quote one verse from Ephesians, just a few words where it says, don't drink too much, it cheapens your life. So now you know the first week and the second week. And with all this series, I want to say this to you right now, uh, that whether it hits any of us or not, today, last week, next week, it doesn't matter, God's grace covers it all. We are simply forgiven. You're forgiven. God's grace is a free gift. Uh, God's merciful and loving and gives you peace and grants us new hope. And life is always new for those who follow Christ. It's new right now. So wherever we've come from, whether we think in our life we have to make people happy, and we've been doing that and, and making ourselves miserable in the process, or whether we found ourselves a little bit, you know, chemically dependent, doesn't matter. We have God's forgiveness. We begin the exact same place. And it's what's next is always our story. That's why I'm a Christian. And why I preach each week, because that's the good news that God gives each one of us. And I share that with you today. It begins with grace. You're going to already probably guess what we're talking about today by simply the title of the message, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. So there we are. Uh, how many recognize the movie that came from? You've got to be around for a while to know that movie title. What's that movie come from? Anybody know? No one knows here? Urban Cowboy. Who played that character anyway? John Travolta, he's an old guy now, so he's probably not doing that anymore, but nonetheless, he was in the movie. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Mickey Gilley sang this song. In fact, this morning when I came to 815 service, the choir in practice was singing the song just for fun. It's how they get ready for worship. Let's sing Mickey Gilley's Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Well, I picked that title because it's a much better way to introduce a message than using the word adultery. So that's why I picked that title. And that's the last time I'm going to use that second word. You know what I'm talking about when I say looking for love in all the wrong places. I'm going to read for you a little bit of the creation story. Uh, Genesis 2, 21 through 25. These are beautiful, beautiful words that God gives us today. As we share these words uh, in, in this truth that God gives us, and I've got to turn to where it is, uh, uh, 2, 21 through 25. Uh, hear them closely, please. And the man gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the sky, every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the men and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is part of the creation story. 
Uh, coming in uh, last night from a wedding I did in Fort Worth, I noticed the moon. If you have noticed, the last week has been a full moon most of, the, most of that time. Really bright. Uh, in the middle of the night, you look out the window and it seems like there may be some lights out there. It's so bright. The moon's a beautiful thing to see when it's full. I think about God, creation, is forming that beauty and how I can enjoy that. And I think in some ways, Mike, I'm going to give this to you right now. This is my gift to you. I'm going to give you the moon just for a while to see its beauty in the fullness of it. And I, and I love that, don't you? The sun the same way. Maybe the sunrise, the sunset. Uh, we're told that in creation, God created all that is. He created the sun, the moon, the stars. Uh, he created the earth. created the oceans, the animals, the fish, and the birds. And here he creates human beings. He makes us. We're told he made us in his own image. We're told he breathed into us the breath of life from him to us. We're told that he would come down each day and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. We're told he gave them a garden to enjoy, which they did, and a garden to care for, which they did. And then here we're told he gave them each other. He gave them each other. I'm going to give you, Adam, to Eve, and Eve to Adam, my gift to both of you. And the words that are used are beautiful words. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. The word helper, partner, helpmate, there are many terms we can use. It shall become one flesh. And they were not ashamed. What beautiful words that we have in Scripture to think about human relationships. From the moon, the sun, the stars, to, to you and me, to my wife and me. And how we understand that. And yet we live in a very difficult world right now. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I could talk about that a lot, I'm not. I'm going to read one uh, quote for you that might help you a little bit to see where we are. Uh, and this quote, pretty clear. And I'm sensitive, of course, to we have kids in services. So we'll be like a bunch of men in a circle talking. This is just, you know, worship service. But the limitless sexual license of the porn generation is not without consequence. It leads to spiritual desensitization, emotional removal, and lack of commitment. Then we add the internet, satellite TV, and the multiplied temptations of thousandfold, and we see the opposite of what Genesis talks about. It's complete opposite of what God's intent and purpose is in creation. Adam and Eve could be part of creation. Families could be created. They could connect with God and each other in a very unique way. They could see each other in a way that, that God intended for it to be. I give her to you. I give you to him. And we walk together in life. And you both, both worship me. And the Bible says, and it was beautiful. It was good. It, it is wonderful. But somehow it gets messed up because God gives us free will and free choice in life. I can name so many times, and I can, I'll name a few here today, where churches and families and individuals have been destroyed because they don't listen to what God teaches us about life and what it should be. Uh, looking for love in all the wrong places destroyed many, many ministries. I speak to the church more than anything else because it's been my life. I can name some of those ministries. I won't name them. Let me know some of what they are. Never recovered. Simple acts. Bad decisions. No, listen to God. Destruction happens. I've seen it happen in churches around in our community. I've seen it happen here. Uh, I've seen it happen in people's lives that I care about. 
family members who, who find themselves destroying what they care about the most because of the behavior we're talking about today. And in recent times, generals to presidents to movie stars hear about it every day. And the consequences are still the same. Even though the culture has really uh, boundless immorality, the damage it has done is still the same as it's always been. That's the one thing that hasn't changed. Even though all around us were overwhelmed by temptation and signs of immorality and saying anything goes, no matter what you want to do, go ahead and do it. Even though we hear it constantly and see it constantly, the damage is still the same. Families are destroyed and kids are destroyed and churches are destroyed and even nations are impacted by bad decisions. What we're talking about today, missing out, somehow walking around what God intended in his creation for us. God's breath of life in God's own image, in ongoing creation, the partnership between men and women, in a loving, trusting relationship, and, and how that's often destroyed. Now I'm going to shift gears to another part of Scripture. This is on your message page if you have one of those today. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Message Bible. I'm going to read those for you in a second. Uh, as we go through that, though, I want to give you some background. Uh, some some scholars believe 1 Thessalonians was the first book of the Bible written. The first one that was probably sent around for the church to read. The Gospels may have come along a bit later. The stories were there. The truth of Christ was being taught, but put in a book form might have been, been still a few years away. We're not sure. So this really, just a few years after Christ's resurrection... And Paul encountering Christ at the Damascus Road, and Paul becoming an apostle to the Gentiles, First uh, Thessalonians was penned within almost sight of Jesus on this earth. It's a very important book of Scripture. It was penned to a church in an area of Greece called Thessalonica, which was a Greek Roman city, very strong city there. And in that city, there were many Gentiles, meaning non-Jews who had been living in a pagan world, worshiping Roman and Greek gods, living a Roman Roman and Greek lifestyle, who were coming to Christ. They They were hearing about Jesus. They were believing in the Lord. They were accepting him. They were being baptized into the church. And now they're part of a church family, living a new way the Bible teaches around the grace of a God who gave them a Savior named Jesus Christ. And now they're wondering, what does it look like to be a Christian. I know what it looks like to be a pagan Greek worshiper of idols living immorally. I know what that looks like. A very immoral world they lived in. There were very few rules about morality. Most cities had many prostitutes. They had temples where the worship around the temples included prostitutes. That was part of their journey in life and how they lived and understood community and culture and, and morality. And so this was all new to them. So what, what, does it, what do we do as Christians? What do we do? And they're asking. And so Paul, as God inspires him, writes these words. And here, the first verse in, in Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, the, the few that I'm going to select from that chapter. For this is the will of God. You like how it starts. Uh, Do we ask sometimes, what's the will of God? I hear that question all the time. We want to know what the will of God is. So we ask the question. Often we're thinking, what job should I take? Uh, Should I move? Uh, How should I handle this? Or how should, what the will of God? And God cares about that. But here he's very, this is the will of God for you. God wants you to live a pure life. 
I'm not going to define that for you. I want you to define it for yourself. We're all adults here, most of us anyway, and so there are a few kids here, the reason I said that. But what's a pure life look like? How do you think it is you let the light of Genesis that I read earlier shine on your life? How does that connect to you and me? As you hear about uh, the Thessalonica community and yet God coming into the world through Christ, the word coming into Thessalonica, and now how do we live? God wants you to live a pure life and very specific now it says keep yourself from sexual promiscuity. So that's the, that's the thought that's given. And they read this and think, okay, that's pretty clear, <laughs> pretty specific. You know, there's not a lot left to wonder what, what, he, what is he talking about. I know exactly what he's talking about. I know my old life. I know the world and community that I live in. You know yours, right? We know our world, right? We know what our world teaches and offers and its expectations and its temptations. It's overwhelming temptations. But here's what the will of God is according to Thessalonians. With the light of Genesis shining on it, as you and I sit here today accepting God's grace, thank you God for grace, and say what's next for us. That's all what we're about. Well, the second verse here says this. Learn to appreciate and give dignity to your body, not abusing it as is so common among those who know nothing of God. These verses are all talking about the very same thing. They're all the same passage of Scripture. Again, I can't go into detail what this might or might not mean. You have to go in your own mind with that. If I was in a small men's group, I might do that, but not here in the sanctuary today. But what does it mean to give dignity to the body God's formed and shaped and given to me? Think about Adam and Eve as they breathed into them the breath of life God did, as they were made in God's own image, as they were taught and taught to love each other and walk together in life in a very unique way. As they were God's gifts to each other, and in that place they would come, and out from them would come all all of humankind. How special is that? And not abusing it, as it's so common among those who know nothing of God. He says, I know those folks around you abuse themselves. You know they do that down at the temple. Uh, where the prostitutes are. You know they do that. You know what goes on all around you. You see it every day. You can't hide from it in the Roman Greek culture any more than we can hide from it today. And so you know that's happening around you, but, but they don't know God. That's why they're living that way. We can't blame them for that. They don't know. But you do. You know the creation story. You know Jesus Christ. You have experienced salvation. You're now part of a new community, and here's the life we call for you to live. Okay, number three or the third part of this same same text in Thessalonians. Don't run roughshod over the concerns of your brothers and sisters. Now, this is the same light. It's based upon the first verse that I read, so it's all connected. So rather than me trying to tell you what that might mean, you have to take yourself to what you think the Bible's telling you and me. Don't damage others for your own personal appetite. Don't damage others around you because you can't deal with your temptations. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does without me going into, into detail, which I cannot do in this service. Number four, God hasn't invited us into a disorderly, unkept life, but into something holy and beautiful. Holy and beautiful. I begin today t- talking about coming in last night, seeing the moon as I come in for that wedding and I'd seen it every week, almost every night that week, uh, last week, the full moon, uh, pretty clear skies. Uh, and to see the beauty of that, sometimes the moon is really big, sometimes it's small, but beautiful in every case. And to think about, connect God with that for me, makes the moon look very different. 
It's not just a moon with light and a sun hitting it and it's bouncing on the earth. God created that. It, it changes how I understand that. And when I see our own relationships, between men and women especially, I see in that, you know, God's same beauty, God's same creative gift to you and me. And to make that connection changes how I understand every aspect of my life and, your li- and, and our lives together. And so the words holy and beautiful change. And again, I won't be specific with what that might mean. You go where you want to with that, but I hope you're going where I want you to. Holy and beautiful. As beautiful on the inside as the outside. You see God's intent. You see God's understanding of creation. You see God's pouring that out upon us in his great beauty. From the dust of the earth, we are formed and he put us together and how he creates beauty in that. And we hear the beauty of that in these words. Yet with all that, God created also appetites. Everybody has appetites for all kinds of things. But yet sin often destroys those appetites because we have free will and free choice. We can hear the will of God and say yes or no, but we have free will to choose what we want. And so we can follow God's plan for us or we can reject that plan. We can understand beauty and all that God intends for it to be or we can say, I don't care about that. We're all given that choice. Because appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. It's the nature of humanity. The appetite will always whisper now instead of later. It demands to be satiated when the appetite comes. But the believer chooses to listen to the Holy Spirit within us, to biblical teaching such as today, to the community of faith, the church, and of course to Jesus who we walk with each day. Is that enemy walk with God in the cool of the evening? Hear those words. Now I'm going to give you another illustration, uh, which is the one that really hope you'll take with you today. I think it's a, a really important one. And I'm going to, you wonder what's here. I guess you wonder what's here, maybe not. Uh, but now you're going to see. If you've been waiting for something special or disappointed, uh, nothing really exciting here. No money, no gold, nothing like that. I've done that in the past. Uh, what I have here is a can of kind of stew. I hunted around for this. You can't find this stuff just anywhere. It's got lint, it's lentil stew. You know what lentils are? It's kind of a small bean. And the lentils have been around for thousands and thousands of years. Now, lentils go back to Bible days, back to the, uh, the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, back in those days. Very special and important food source of protein for people back in those days. So I hunted around, and all I could find was lentil stew with andouille sausage. I'm guessing that wasn't biblical. I don't think they had that back then. Uh, they probably had maybe, maybe goat meat, possibly, maybe a little bit of garlic. This, is, this probably has more in it than that. There's a story in the Bible, though, that speaks to this, but I'm going to open this stew first. Anybody hungry yet? Is this too early for you to be hungry? 11 o'clock, folks, you're going to be, I want some of that, but uh, at 9.30, maybe not. 8.15, they weren't all that excited about the food source here. Well, there it is. I splashed a little bit. There it is. You can see it better now. Well, not too bad. And, and here it is. It's, you know, it's, it's got value, right? It's got protein, you know. Uh, it's got some carbohydrates. And it actually smells pretty good, even at 9.30 for me. It smells pretty good. Uh, I think the sauce is more than the lentils, but that's all in here. This is stew. Let me tell you a story about a couple of Bible characters. Uh, they were twins, 
You know, one's name was Esau. One's name was Jacob. They were sons of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And Esau was the firstborn twin. That meant that he was heir to the birthright of Isaac and Abraham both. But he was the firstborn. Jacob heir to nothing at this point. Esau had it all, the birthright. Certainly he had the birthright, which would be his father's possessions. Uh, The goats and the tents and the servants would all be his one day. More than that, though, he was heir to the birthright that God had given Abraham, then again to Isaac. What was that? That was the covenant God made with Abraham. All the nations of the earth will be blessed by your seed. You'll have a land from here to here and here that's promised to you. You will, you will have descendants that like the numbers of the sand and the sea and the stars in the sky will be yours. And you'll be blessed in great abundance. That's the birthright he gave Abraham, Isaac, that was now, that was now Esau's. It was his. And the story goes that, that Esau came in one day from hunting all day. And Jacob had stayed home. And Jacob was home cooking. He was cooking lentil stew. And he just about finished. And there it was on the table. Really good, I'm sure. And Esau walks in the door and sees that. He says, I am famished. I am so hungry. Would you give me some? I want some of that. He saw it. It looks so good to Esau's appetite that day. And Jacob says, sure, I'll give it to you. Sure, you can have it. Sell me your birthright for it. Give me your birthright, and I'll give you this bowl of stew. Esau doesn't even think. Doesn't even question what's being offered him and what he's going to give up. What he says is, I'm so hungry. You know, if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to surely die. What What would it be worth then? And so Esau says, okay, you can have my birthright. Give me that bowl of beans. And that's exactly what happens. Jacob, we're told, becomes the father of Israel. He has 12 sons. His 12 sons become Israel, and the promise becomes his. And Esau is a no-name goat herder the rest of his life. We learn much from that story. And I see people all the time who sell their birthright for a bowl of stew all the time. Somehow they just can't see the value of what they have, who they can be, what God's doing in their life. And for many of us, our family, our, our spouses, our community of faith, our ministry and impact and influence, God at work in and through and for us in so many marvelous ways. They somehow just can't, and, just, and they just throw it away for a bowl of stew. And after the stew is, is eaten, they say, well, that wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And later on, they say it wasn't worth it. And they say, maybe it's too late. See it all the time. I could tell you more stories. You could tell them as well. Thank you for God's grace. One of the things that I say that I think connects with this is, and I've said it before, the devil wants us to believe that something is nothing and nothing is something. 
Once we get, he gets us to believe that, he's got us. And we're up a creek. Somewhere on that crazy day, when Esau's just hunting, it's a normal, regular day. He's doing what he does every day, bringing some venison in or something to eat for his father and his family. That's what he does. Esau's known for that. Somehow, somewhere, he finds himself in a place where he's decided that, that something, my birthright, is not worth anything at all. Not today, anyway. But this, this bowl is worth everything. And the result is history. It's happened all the time. So what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that God created us. See those words of creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, Adam and Eve for each other. And they walk together through life. And there they experience God in a grand, marvelous way. How beautiful is that? Here we have these words in Thessalonians that something holy and beautiful. It's beautiful on the inside as the outside. Let me see the last illustration that I have today is that, hey, there's always a bowl of stew out there. There's always one. There's always going to be one. What do we value? What do we care about? What do we believe? And those fund our decisions. Where we find courage, we make our decision. Jacob was not really much better person than Esau was, but he valued his birthright. He valued his birthright. We value ours. Three other characters I'll add as, as a conclusion today. Uh, we have a man named Joseph. When he came to temptation, we're told what he did. He ran. He didn't think about it, didn't talk about it, didn't explore it. He just simply ran as fast as he could. He learned to run from temptation. That's what Joseph did. Daniel, he knew what to do as well. He simply said no. He said no so many times, no came to his list before anything else happened. He just said no. He learned how to say no. Because he practiced it, he was good at it. He just said no in the small things, the big things. When he said no to no, this is not appropriate to eat for a Jew in this land of captivity, he was able to say no when it came time to worship gods that were lifted up around him. Because he said no to small things, he could say no to big things too. He learned to say no. And David, David, can't tell you the story very much, David Bathsheba, but if he just stayed off the roof, if he just stayed off that roof, where he looked down at Bathsheba, he'd been better off. It's true for men or women, either way. You can interchange these characters. But most Bible character stories are, are, are male. Joseph, Daniel, David, these are all stories that we have, the stories that I have to tell you today. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words you give us. We appreciate them. The words beautiful and holy, God. May that be our lives. By your grace at work right now, by what you build and create within us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.